wherever you may reside, reach out to some of the tribal nations, learn about those, the, the tribes that are in those areas and, you know, help them with the resources. We all need guidance and especially our tribal nations we do need guidance. We don't have as much capacity. Um, so I think that's something, it's a good way to create that positive dialogue and, and know about where people are, are living and who has been there for, you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and this is another episode in the Athlete's Voices series on the Daily Helping where we interview exceptional athletes doing even more exceptional things in the world. Our special guest today is Dylan Sheehy. He is a professional runner. He ran cross-country and track at the University of Colorado Boulder, and he's the CEO of The Native Runner, providing motivational speaking workshops, training, and community wellness. He's also a partner at Zia Impact and a tribal councilman at the Pueblo of Zia. Dylan, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is great to have you with us today. Thank you, Dr. Richard. Uh, It's great to be here and then have a meaningful dialogue. Well, I'm excited. I l- meaningful dialogue is what we do at The Daily Helping. Now, what's exciting about this is uh, you're doing a lot of things. We, we talked a little bit before, so I'm not going to give it all away. But the number of hats you wear is, is pretty remarkable. So I, before we even talk about the impact you're making in the world today, I want to go back. Let's hop on the time machine and let's hear the story so tell us about you started to before we we hit the record button but i i would love to hear what put you on the path you're on today so i i grew up in uh, the zia pueblo indian reservation uh new mexico you know a community of less than a thousand people and you know surrounded by dirt roads and uh, sandy arroyos and grew up in a very traditional household um being raised with with culture and participating in our indigenous religious ceremonies. Um, And so that's where my kind of journey started from, was learning uh, the meaning of prayer and the importance of it and going out every morning um, as the sun rose with cornmeal to go pray to our sacred sites throughout the village and then going down to our river to, you know, cleanse myself and running running back home. And I did this um, every morning before school and so that's kind of where my, my journey started from, uh, using running as, as prayer, running being a sacred uh, act uh, rather than a sport. Um, it's very uh, instilled in our traditional ways of life on, in the Pueblo. And that kind of transpo- transpired into me being a, a competitive runner, um, making my way into to high school and not seeing much uh, 
people that look like me in division one uh, sports or in the elite, you know, uh, levels. And so that sparked my motivation to push myself to, you know, get to higher education, attend college and also be a student athlete and run. And, you know, luckily the, the coaches at the University of Colorado Boulder saw uh, a top level runner inside of me and an academic um, student athlete and, you know, saved me a spot to, to run for such a prestigious, you know, running powerhouse. And so my journey started, you know, at, on the village, um, working through high school into college and, and becoming a professional runner. And with, with the essence of, of having prayer as my foundation. I'd like to take uh, a step even further back as before we talk about your athletic career, when we speak about the village that you grew up in, you said less than a thousand people, what on average, what percentage, you know, tend to go on to college? So I'll give you this um, for myself. And, and I was, I went to school on the reservation, uh, Zia Day School, it was called at the time. Um, in my class, there was 18, uh, 18 students and it's probably the biggest class. And out of that 18, to say there was probably just myself that graduated from college. Okay. So rare. Like it's not something that, it's not a foregone conclusion. You know, a lot of times in communities, the kids are like told, you're going to go to college, you're going to get a job, you're going to do all these things. So in that you were the exception to the rule, what made you seek that out, that experience? To me, I think it was just a lot of uh, family support. Um, my mother um, was a big catalyst to that. She um, went to school, had me at a very young age, at 18 years old, uh, graduated uh, college. And I think just seeing her go through, you know, being a young mother and being able to graduate gave me a lot of strength to say I can do this as well. Um, but on top of that, you know, for me being a student athlete, that's even, you know, one in a million coming off the reservation. Uh, not many, you know, kids attend a, a division one school or run for a division one school at, at that. Um, but I, I would say my family, my mother, my parents, you know, uh, really gave me that strength and encouraged to take that next step in, in my higher education. And and I'd also like to, and, I, and I'm grateful you're introducing us to your culture, you said that running is a spiritual thing. So can we talk a little bit more about that? That's really interesting. Yeah, so you know, running um, is, is a sacred act. And we use it in, in our ceremonies to you know connect us to the en energy that surrounds us. Um, it's also a way of, of healing, you know, mental, emotional, um, just spiritually, um, getting yourself grounded back to, you know, the earth. And, you know, especially running in the morning when the sun rises, you know, we, we greet the sun because it gives us energy. That's, we call it our father and, you know, the land, mother earth. Um, so having that connection from the sun down into to the earth, you know, on that middle ground. So being in tune with both of those two energies um, is, is, is an act, you know, of, of sacredness and, and prayer. And that that is a century old, if not old, many probably much older than that tradition. Yes. Um, well, 
it, all of this is passed down through our oral tradi- traditions, through history. Uh, we're you know twenty been here for twenty five thousand years per archaeological record, but for per oral tradition, it's since time immemorial. So a lot of these traditions are passed down verbally. Okay, um, so so I love this. So with that context, then you know with the uh, experience of having a mom who went to college and graduated, and now you're off the University of Boulder. As you said, there probably weren't a ton of people in Boulder, Colorado, who looked like you, who had your background. Tell us about you know what that was like, that transition. Yeah, it was it was a big uh, culture shock, but the team I, I really had a good connection with. You know, my my teammates. So, and that, that in itself had its own community. And you know, for me, that transition was was pretty smooth for the for the most part. Uh, being able to be there as a student athlete, it was kind of like I was being pulled into another family. But then, you know, I go to go to classes and you're amongst, you know, 40,000 students. And so that for me was a wake up call, like, whoa, like there's not many people that do look like me. I mean, there's people that run like the same way I do. But as far as looking like me, I, I didn't really have have that. So it was, I kind of put a shell around myself um, you know, having, I guess, that stoic look, like I didn't want to be bothered. But, you know, if you did talk to me, get to know me, I was you know, very humble and soft-spoken. Um, but I was just that exterior where I just wanted to, you know, have that prominence that, you know, I'm here, we're here. Um, I'm here to, to run and, and be a student as well. But, yeah, it was just um, needing that, that support and that culture shock was, was, was a big change for me. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go. And so talk to us about um, after college. So after I graduated from the University of Colorado, I took an eight-month hiatus from, from running, competing um, at the you know Division One level. Um, finally... Uh, after eight months, started training again. I moved down to Colorado Springs to run with the American Distance Project. Uh, it's based out of the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, and I had a great coach. Scott Simmons was my my coach, and so we had plans to uh, get me qualified for the 2016 Olympic Trials using the half marathon. And for those that are not familiar, you can use the half marathon as a B standard to get into Olymp- Olympic Trials, where you have to run a sub 65 minute half marathon which equates to running, you know, four fifty three miles. Um, so I, I trained down at the American, uh, in Colorado Springs, um, was doing really well. And then had a, a very weird experience with an injury, um, that I thought was a muscle issue. Uh, my legs were, my right leg was getting super tight and ran a half marathon in, in Philadelphia where, 
that injury just crept out me, crept up, crept up on me throughout the whole entirety of the race, and I ended up missing the qualifier by a minute. I ran 106, and later on, I found out that it was it was not a muscle issue; it was more of a nerve issue. Uh, I have a nerve impingement somewhere in my leg that you know has been preventing me from competing at that level. Um, so I ended up missing the Olympic trials and uh, found my way back to to Zia Pueblo in 2017, just because I couldn't. Um, I just needed to be home. I was seeing all my teammates training and running really well, and I, I got kind of in in a, in a dark place. Got depressed because I wasn't able to to train and compete at that level. Oftentimes, when athletes are in that space, you know, and be it an injury that ends their career, or they're they just can't compete at the level that they used to for whatever the reason, there's this tremendous sense of loss. You mentioned the depression. Uh, and, and everybody goes through this, right? Like not, not just athletes, but uh, this is a very common thing. And so for you, um, did you have any idea what would be next? Did, like, Were you finding that? Or? At that time, you know, after I moved from Colorado Springs back to New Mexico, I didn't really have a sense of direction. You know, I was still kind of kind of lost going through that depression, trying to seek resources that will kind of help me steer me in the right direction. And all I found was just hurdles. And, you know, people that I will ask for help, you know, going to, to therapy just didn't really understand where I was coming from with my my culture and my, my way of thought, which also at that time I was disconnected from my own culture. Uh, I didn't. I just wanted to be alone, and um, finally, in 2019, I s- slowly started, you know, waking back up, waking up in the morning, going to go pray, walking if I needed to walk. And that same year, I was elected as a traditional official in my community. I was third in third in command and had uh, responsibility to my whole entire community of steering them down the road with, you know, our ceremonies, um, traditional ways. And I was sitting in our plaza one one day and looking around at the kids and I was like, okay, like I, I love being a leader. Once this term ends, what is my next um, impact going to look like? Like, how am I going to lead my people still on the outside and bringing back resources that keep them safe and secure? And luckily then I, I ran in, um, into my wife um, and who gave me a greater perspective on the opportunities that were there that I could, you know, amplify and be an advocate for my people as well and so a lot of the work now that we do or i do is is work on you know the federal local and state level to bring resources into my community and helping kids uh, get into school having that guidance from high school to to college um, and just helping them with that being that guide and support so what it sounds like is you were really in this state of despair is too strong of a word, but but certainly probably a, a depression, and then you were without really a true sense of purpose. It sounds like till about 2019, so really from 2017 to 2019, you're kind of in this storm of uncertainty. Exactly. Because um, I always identify, my identity was to me was my running. Um, and once I didn't have that, it was like, well, what am I now? And so f- finding my, uh, my identity again, you know, being a leader, a spokesperson um, in 2019 really, you know, changed my perspective on how to help 
for my community and the surrounding communities and now for greater Indian country. Now in the, in the bio I read, it said you're a professional runner, which leads me to believe that your running days were not over. No, they're not. Um, I'm still actively working to get a hundred percent physically healthy. Um, I do, I am a, a young parent, well, 31 years old. I have a young one who I planned this, that I want to return to the, to, to be a competitive, uh, you know, c- to compete again. And I want her, my child to be able to see her dad at least compete and, and, you know, have that experience. So that, that is my goal. That's really cool. And, and so are you still, you're still in the role w- within the council of, of, your tribe, but you said you're helping other tribes as well. Did I hear that right? Yes, yes. So I, I do help, uh, you know, Zio Pelo, uh, sovereign nation. We have tribal council. We, we also do um, advisement for, you know, our tribal administration, uh, the governor. Uh, but I also, you know, help through my impact consultancy, bringing, uh, helping with tribal infrastructure, economic development opportunities. Um, so my partner and I, uh, my wife, we, we help all of, of Indian country, whoever needs assistance. We won, During the pandemic, we brought in $4 million of broadband infrastructure for one of our, our, our clients. Um, so we do work like that to, to just kind of help um, with moving forward as, as, a, as a people. So this, this work that you're doing with your partner and your wife, this is Zia Impact. And so through this, you're helping the larger Native American population. Sounds like with a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, started out from, you know, being in New Mexico and the tribes there. Now we're trying to, to branch out and, and help greater Indian country. How many, how many tribes are you working with now? Right now, so we work with all, you know, 19, 23 tribal nations in New Mexico. We try to help every single one of them. But, you know, if you look at all through Indian country, there's 574 federally recognized tribes and 200, you know, state recognized tribes. So there's a lot of, of assistance and, and support for our tribal nations. But um, right now we, we're slowly working on just, uh, I think, four, four or five in New Mexico right now, and then we'll be branching out later on too. I'm curious, uh, Dylan, how does your history of running both competitively and, and spiritually, because to you, the, you know, those are very much connected. How does that inform the work you're doing today, helping these people? It's a lot of it is resiliency and, and perseverance, uh, you know, being a competitive runner and then also using running as prayer to ground myself. You know, I, I know when I need to push and I also know when to um, rest. I think that's a, a big problem when, you, you tend to push a, a lot more and more and, and people just kind of push themselves away from you because that's just so much energy. Um, so a lot of the work I do is kind of that balance of knowing when to, to push myself to get the resources that we need when it's, you know, dealing with equitable, equitable health care or those educational resources for students. Um, and then just kind of learn how to, to back off a little bit so that I don't harm my, uh, I guess, existence in some of those high-level spaces. I always love to ask this question of people doing the type of work you're doing. 
Are there any stories in particular or lessons you've learned helping in the way that you are? So for me, the, the lessons is, you know, it, it's for me coming from, you know, marginalized community, sometimes that passion can be seen as, as too much or, you know, people will invite you into their space. But if you're so passionate, it could be the end of that door opening for you again. So I guess just learning how to strategically stay in those spaces so that my voice is heard, but not over-exemplifying it. Um, I think that's something that uh, my experience has taught me, um, being able to stay and, and be in those high-level spaces and, and advocate for my people. I love that. Um, Dylan, you're an inspiring person, and, and I love the work that you're doing. You're obviously very passionate about it. Uh, so we've come to the end here, but I always wrap up by asking my guests one question, and that is, Dylan, what is your biggest helping, the one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? You know, one of the biggest things is this, you know, wherever you may reside, reach out to some of the tribal nations, learn about those the, the tribes that are in those areas and, you know, help them with the resources. We all need guidance and especially our tribal nations we do need guidance. We don't have as much capacity. Um, so I think that's something, it's a good way to create that positive dialogue and, and know about where people are, are living and who has been there for, you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years. Thank you for that. If somebody wanted to find out more about you online and the work you're doing, where would they do that? So I go by uh, The Native Runner on Instagram. That's at The Native Runner. Um, also, I have a Zia Impact. You can reach me at uh, Dylan at ZIAImpact.com. That's uh, my email. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Dylan Shahey. Um, and all, all the work that I do uh, goes through there. And um, yeah. Okay, perfect. We'll have everything, Dylan Shahey, at the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Uh, Dylan, thank you so much for being with us today. I really enjoyed our discussion, and I love the work you're doing. Thank you. Absolutely. And I want to thank each and every one of you who took time out of your busy day to listen to our conversation. If you liked it, if you're inspired, if you feel good, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, Go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping, because the happiest people are those that help others. <laughs>